Hi, everyone. My name is South Florida divorce attorney Christopher Bruce, and I have the pleasure of being joined today by Era Mascarenas. She is a pre-licensed mental health counselor in the Boca and um, Broward County areas. She sees clients um, really um, in Palm Beach and in Broward County and does have a physical office in the, the Coconut Creek area. And today we're going to be talking about something that her and I identify as, as very important in our um, respective professional practices, and that's how to be an effective parent after um, your divorce. And um, we're not just going to talk about theory, we're going to talk about five things that you can do now um, to, to do a better job at um, parenting after your divorce. So. Um, Ara, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I very much appreciate it. And um, maybe before we just get into the material, I'll tell um, everyone a little bit about how you, um, your background and how you came to do this. And we'll go from there. Absolutely. Well, firstly, thank you for having me. I know it's been a lot. We're both passionate about this subject. So it's great that we get to collaborate um, in this way. Uh, so as you were saying, I'm a pre-licensed mental health counselor at Home for a Balanced Psychotherapy Group, and that is a private practice in Coconut Creek. I love working with children, teens, their families, parents. I've been doing that in a variety of settings for a couple of years now, whether that be in a school, in clinics, in outpatient services. Um, and that's kind of where I, where my bread and butter is, right? Children as young as five and then teens, and I do a lot of collaboration with parents. Um, because I think that's the best way to kind of, you know, create change. Um, I focus on ADHD, behavior concerns, life transitions. So middle school to high school, I'm changing schools, divorce, right? If my family is changing, my dynamic is changing, self-esteem, anxiety, depression, and trauma. I'm also fully bilingual, so I can do services in English and Spanish. Oh, it's quite, quite the background. Um, I think you're uniquely qualified to, to talk about what a lot of people are are interested in and learning when they think about the um, the possible end of their marriage, and that's, you know, how's the divorce going to affect my children? So I'd, I'd love for you before we get into how to be a better parent, help people understand um, that issue. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I feel like the best way to kind of approach this is change is always challenging for children, right? And it's also an inevitable part of life. And I say this because I feel like oftentimes parents ask me, am I a bad parent? Is my child going to be traumatized? I feel so guilty that I'm making this choice, right? So I think the most important part is as odd as it may sound, your job isn't necessarily to take the pain away from your child, right? We, we totally wish we had that power and that control, but I think that's not really our responsibility. Our responsibility is to connect with our child and provide comfort and safety during these times, right? Um, so I feel like that's always an important, you know, kind of like this is a guilt free, shame-free space because change is going to happen regardless, right? Um, with that being said, it you know, divorce does affect children. I think some common feelings that arise as maybe confusion, maybe there's grief, maybe there's anger, maybe there's a little bit of anxiety. 
And I think the biggest issues that arise are, are the separation issues, right? Attachment, you can't talk about divorce without talking about attachment and the importance of a secure attachment with the parents and the, chi the child, right? Um, so some of the issues that you might see in, in the separation, it, it really depends on the child's age, um, but they might be feel anxious about, are my needs gonna be met, right? At a very small, minimal level. Will I still get comforted from mom and dad? Um, there's a lot of anger sometimes, right? Maybe they become overreactive. A lot of kids are very, children are very egocentric. So what does that mean, right? They think it's all about mm -hmm. them, which means what did I do wrong, right? Is it something about me? Um, which is very common, right? And it's okay that the child feels that way. And that's why we go back to attachment, right? Mom and dad still love you. This is not your fault. So even though they're navigating these, you know, complicated, I call them sticky emotions because they're not very yeah. comfortable, but they're not bad either, right? They're just part of the human experience. Um, so even though they're, they might feel responsible, they might have anger, they might be confused, we can still sit with them in that discomfort. Um, and again, it removes a lot of the shame and the guilt from it, right? Especially when they're teenagers, I feel also teens get affected a little bit more than children do, which sometimes people really? get to. Um, but they have more awareness, right, than a child. So let's say a kid that's two years old is going to worry about their needs being met. But if there's grandma, if there's uncle, if there's mom or dad that's really present, they're going to be okay. Versus when you're older, you know, am I going to take the side of this parent, right? Am I going to involve myself in higher risky behavior now? Um, I, I might not want to be dealing with it and I'll avoid it and do other situations. So I think, does it affect children? Yes. Is it your fault? No. And is there something you can do about it? Absolutely. So how critical is it to pay close attention to children after the divorce? Um, I, I I kind of wonder about that. I hear a lot of people just flippantly say, oh, children are resilient. They'll get through it. But um, I, my feeling is that's not not really the case or, or, or not the best way to, to go through things. So, I mean, for the people listening to this that want to do the best job they can, I mean, how closely should they, um, you know, be in touch with their children as, as they're going through and I guess after the divorce process? Yeah, I like your question. And I do agree, you know, children are resilient, but we have to give them the tools to be so, right? We can't just say, oh, slap it and be like, it's fine, right? So we go back to attachment. Again, it's kind of what I was saying at the beginning, right? We can't talk about divorce without talking about attachment. I think they go hand in hand because, well, first humans in general, right? We, we're wired for connection and belonging and it's really important to us to feel seen and heard, right? That's as adults. As children, that's even more important, right? And it's more impactful. Now, are you gonna be perfect? No, right? If you're 30% good enough that day, that's good enough, right? I always say 100% looks different every day, right? And that's okay. So I think that's important too. Sometimes I feel like parents are really hard on themselves. Am I a bad parent? How do I do this? I don't wanna traumatize them. So if we just focus on secure attachment, that is our way home. And that is how we make functional, healthy, authentic adults, which is something I always tell parents when I work with them and their children, right? We're not going to be around forever. How can we give this 
person the best tools of survival for when they're adults, right? And how can we make this, you know, situation something to be learned from, right? So yes, children are resilient, but how do we make them so? We go back to attachment, right? How do we create secure attachment? Because I feel like we keep talking about it, but what does that really mean, right? Yeah, so, I was going to ask you, yeah, so how do we do that? <laughs> so basically, I think the best way to think about attachment is security and safety, right? If I cry, is my parent going to notice, right? If I'm upset, is that person going to walk away from me? Are they going to pay attention to me and reassure me and tell me, hey, it's okay to be upset? right? Are they stable? Are they predictable? That's a good way of asking it, right? So if my dad leaves, will he come back, right? If I throw a really big tantrum, will he pay attention? Will she notice if it's my mom, right? So it's being very stable and safe and aware, right? We're also very affectionate, right? Maybe we have a good eye contact. We're listening. That's what I was kind of saying at the beginning, parents often go on fixer mode, right? My kid is crying. How do I fix it? How do I take this away? But what are you really showing your child, right? This emotion is not okay. Avoid it by all costs, right? Instead of, hey, you're upset. You're angry. That is allowed. You're okay to feel that way. I see that you're upset. I'm noticing it. And I'm right here with you, right? That is a really good way to show your child you're you're seen here you're important and you matter i also think something very important about it is having good boundaries and just being there for your child but also saying hey you can go out there and explore and you can come back when you're ready right so it's providing this safety i i call it bubble a lot of the time yeah. right so how do i create this bubble of security and stability and safety and that is securely and a securely attached child right I know my parents were close I know my parents noticed me I know that they that I mattered to them and that's good enough right so again it's gearing away from let me fix this to it's okay to feel this way I notice it and I'll sit with you through that discomfort all right and I just um just to follow up on that uh, a little bit bonus question I guess but um I take it you're you're not suggesting that parents don't try to help your kids. You're you're mainly saying first though, make sure that they know you're you're there with you and you understand how they're feeling before then you you address practically what you might might need to do. Am I am I kind of um, inferring you uh, correctly here? Yeah, I think that's a good question, and I think it, I get what you're saying of like, okay, I'm just supposed to sit there and like let them suffer. And no, right? I figured pretty much not knowing you. <laughs> so. Right. But I think oftentimes we go straight to fixing it. Right. And this is something I noticed with my own clients as well. We are avoiding these sticky, icky feelings. Right. So we feel guilty as a parent that I am leaving my child without their parent. Right. And to fix it, I'm going to try to get them to buy them a new iPad and give them a limited ice cream and take them to all the play dates that they want, right? And we're operating in that space of guilt and shame, right? And so what I'm saying is, what if we try something else, right? What if we just say, 
this sucks. I'm sad too. You're sad. It's okay. Right. And then little by little, when we allow people to feel their feelings, they're often able to regulate themselves. Right. So, and I'm, I can tell you what I need. And I see this with teenagers more often than not. Right. Oh, I don't want to feel sad. Oh, I need to be strong for my parent. Oh no, you're allowed to be sad. Right. And then once we accept it and we can, there's a saying that says, if you name it, you can tame it, right? Once we can name what we're feeling, we can do something about it. But the first step I think is that connection that, hey, I see you. And it sounds, I even have sometimes parents who are like, but that's it, that's all I do. Yes, for, for the beginning, that's all you can do. And you'd be surprised the power of connection and vulnerability and the present moment with that child. And then you can start getting proactive, right? But I think the most important part is not, my child is suffering, let me quickly do something about it and get him something and throw him a party. It's more, hey, I noticed that you're upset. This is upsetting. Let's talk about it. And then we can do something about it. Does that make sense? It makes a lot, it makes a lot of sense. And um, it's just, I can tell you, um, being father of two children, not going through a divorce, it's, it's um, pretty effective method in dealing with an upset uh, for me younger um, uh, son or daughter. Um, anyway, it, it, it does make a lot of sense to me. Um, so, and when we were talking about doing this, we wanted to leave people with um, some, you know, I guess more proactive things, things that they can take away and, and do right now, um, if they have a loved one going through this with their children, um, tell their, their loved one to do. And um, what are your tips? Okay, so let's, I guess the first one, right, would be, and it's actually exactly what we've been talking about, be there for them, do not attempt to fix, right? So I think that's the overall message of how do I show up for my child that is present, that is connected, that it's secure, right? A lot of kids, like we were saying, there's going to be some changes, right? There's sometimes kids, especially younger ones, regress in their behaviors. So for example, they might be potty trained and all of a sudden you're noticing that they're not that doing that well anymore, or they're trying new foods and now they want to go back to that, or they're used to sleeping by themselves and now they want to sleep with you. So all of these things are very common and expected, right? So it's just you noticing them and affirming them and validating them. I think that is really important. And that's where I'm saying, let's not attempt to go into fixer mode right away. Let's focus on, hey, I know this is gonna come. Change, like we were saying, right? It is inevitable. And my child is gonna experience the, the some, I always like the metaphor of the ocean, right? There's different waves. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be bigger waves, smaller waves. And I know that I'm in the ocean right now. So all I need is to securely tell my child, we're in the ocean. Let's ride the wave together. So I think, that, mm -hmm. I think that would be my number one, you know, recommendation of things that you could do right now. Um, the second one, and I talked about this briefly, was to establish limits and boundaries, right? So again, if we have guilt and shame and what is this going to cause my child and I'm a bad parent and I'm causing my child pain, so I'm going to be really permissive and let them do whatever they want and get let them get away with anything, right? 
totally understandable where that's coming from again right we're operating in that kind of space a little bit but I think when we set boundaries and limits we become predictable and that is so important for a child right having a routine hey I know that Mondays and Wednesdays I go to dad's and I know that at 4 p.m I have a snack and at 5 p.m we do this right being consistent is really important again we're going to see that wave of behaviors then there's going to be maybe some more tantrums and maybe I'm going to try to push and not shower for three days okay right but how do I maintain this routine and consistency because when so much of it is changing I think it's very important for parents to be predictable and reliable we go back to securely attached right when I'm safe I'm predictable I can't tell you enough how many of my clients say, I don't know what, what's going to happen, right? I don't know how mom's going to react. I don't know how dad's going to react. And it causes anxiety at the minimum, right? So anything that we can do to implement this routine, and it gets really hard, especially when there's two households, right? And I, there is something to say about that. I'm not, you know, ignoring that part at all. And sometimes we have parents that want to collapse collaborate and parents that are not interested right so to that we focus back on what is in my control at least if we have a difficult co-parenting situation in my household I will be safe I will be predictable I will be approachable right so I think that's the second one try to keep the routine and be as predictable as possible the third one is, I love, I've heard this quote before and I absolutely love it. And it says, the more people that love your kids, the better. So yes. back to my bubble. I love metaphors. I love analogies. Um, <laughs> that's kind of how my brain is wired, right? But <laughs> how can I add a more protective layers and bubble to my children? If they're, the person is safe, right? This does not apply to domestic abuse, narcissistic yeah. We're not talking about that. We're talking about safety connections. It could be a grandma. It could be a friend. It could be a teacher. It could be a coach, right? But the more people that your kid knows are there for them and the more people that love them and care for them, the better off you'll be. I always tell parents, add more bubbles, right? Add more layers because when the time comes, they're going to have a huge bubble that protects them, right? Like we were saying, change is inevitable. Things happen to all of us. But I'd rather have a kid that has seven bubbles that has two, right? So how, how do I add more love to the life of my child? I think that's something that we can do, right? And as many securely attached adults that the child has, the better, especially if let's say we're, we're dealing with the blended family situation and we've determined that the child is safe right that that other partner is safe again that's very important we're not talking about people that have other stuff going on but safe adults sometimes it's hard as parents I don't want my child to develop a good relationship with stepmom or stepdad but if we operate in that lens of the more people that love my kid the better okay I'm not necessarily super comfortable and I don't love it and that's why you have your friends or your buddies that you could call and rely on but at least you're adding more bubbles to your child's life. Again, the big asterisk is make sure that these people are safe people. Yeah. Um, the fourth one would be time in 
time. So it's kind of different than timeout. Um, time in is time where I am actually spending time with my child, right? So I think sometimes adults are busy. They have their own responsibilities. They're going through their own process of grief and loss, right? So how can I establish a time in time? Maybe if it's a four-year-old, maybe let's build Legos together. Mm -hmm. Maybe we can go spend some time at the park or the pool, or maybe we can cook something together, right? Or spend some time in nature, but you're actively timing in, right? So you're not on your phone. You're not on your earbuds, like having a meeting while spending time with them. Um, you're very intentional about that time in. And I think that's something that most parents are like, but I don't, I don't have an hour. It's okay. Five minutes, right? That's okay. We don't need three hours of spending time. I understand parents have lives, adult lives, right? And complicated stuff going on, especially through this divorce process, right? But how can I devote five minutes of intentional, uninterrupted time with my child? Um, and then fifth one, I think it's super important that, that saying, right? You can't pour from an empty cup. So focus on your own psychological well-being. It is okay for you to be experiencing all the sticky, icky feelings that come with divorce, right? You're not selfish for asking for help. You're not selfish for seeking psychological help, right? It doesn't make you a bad parent. It doesn't make you less than, right? In fact, and this is something that I teach my clients all the time, asking for help and being vulnerable, that is strength. That is courage, right? Hiding, pretending, not acknowledging, that's not the true definition in my opinion, right, of somebody courageous, right? When I have a client crying in front of me and saying, I'm, I'm hurting, that is bravery, right? Just acknowledging. So a good parent models asking for help, models, hey, I need some support. It's okay. So I think the fifth one, and I think is really important, right? Even though it's, they're not in any order of importance, but let me take care of my own needs. Maybe mom needs one hour of time with friends. Maybe dad needs to go golfing every Sunday. I don't know, right? But dedicate your own time, I think is also very important. Those are, I mean, I think amazing, just practical tips that, you know, take a little bit of consciousness, but not not a whole lot of, of, of time with, with most of them to do. And um, I hope the people listening to this um, realize that, well, divorce might be hard. There's a couple of things that aren't that hard to, to actually do, um, or at least some time commitment that can make a huge difference in kids. So thank you for sharing those things. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's what you're saying is so right, right? Like we don't have, it's a lot to work with. You don't, don't expect perfection. Please don't ever expect to be the perfect parent. I do not know one. They do not exist. They're mythical creatures, right? It's just, you're a human doing some humaning things and they're hard things. And sometimes, like I said, a hundred percent looks different on a Monday than it does on a Wednesday. And that is okay. <laughs> I feel a little bit excused. I try to be the best parent I can be, but it's it's not not always perfect. But I feel like at least I'm trying, so good to be validated a little. I um, think trying is all that you need, right? 
Um, I guess on a, a slightly different subject, uh, there's um, sometimes um, the, the other parent doesn't try as hard or has a different mindset. Maybe in some instances they have, um, you know, one of these personality disorders or traits of one. Um, what's your best advice for people when their their spouse or former spouse just uh, can't can't seem to effectively co-parent? What, what do they do in in those situations? Yeah, and I think those are almost the hardest cases, right? Because we want to be these protective forces for our children, and sometimes that's not necessarily in our control. And we're dealing with people, you know, that aren't willing to be part of this collaborative parenting process. So that is already a mission, right? Divorce is already a mission mm -hmm. in and of itself. And then you add this difficult layer to it. So definitely hard, right? And I want to give space for that. I think there's different layers and components to this. First, failure is not a bad thing, right? So if a parent fails to show up, what is in your control as a parent, right? So you're not a bad parent, right? And there's always room for growth in these new dynamics, right? So I think that's the first kind of first clue. What is in my control? How can I be the securely attached person? How can I implement time in time? How can I maybe include the coach or the art teacher to add more layers to this child, especially because I'm dealing with this by myself? right? That's the kind of like the first thing. The second thing is maybe the child, I feel like sometimes parents try to compensate, right? Like, oh, mm -hmm. it's okay. Um, They're feeling bad that their dad or mom isn't available. Let's talk about it with them, right? Instead of just assuming and making our own process, like he should do this or she should be doing this. It's more, okay, what are this child needs, right? Because what I really recommend, kind of like the don'ts of this situation is, as an adult, you know that this parent is not the best, but your child does not know that, yeah. right? And the child is 50% that other partner. So by you bashing, which is called parent alienation, right? By you talking bad about this other parent, by you saying that this parent is unreliable, untrustworthy, mean, among other things, that child is thinking 50% of me is bad, right? So I think that's the number one key thing. You're an adult, you're privy to information that the child is not. So protect that attachment with that other parent to the best of your ability, right? They are allowed to love this other parent. It is part of who they are and you can shield them from, hey, dad's not gonna be here, but he loves you dad loves you so much right mom mm -hmm. really appreciates you so how do i provide this secure attachment but also not alienate my child from 50 percent of the parent again right we want to keep them safe so i'm not maybe you won't have access to this parent because this parent is going through you know xyz that makes them unavailable but that doesn't mean that this parent doesn't love you, doesn't care about you, isn't thinking about you. So how do you maintain this attachment to this parent, right? So I think the number one thing to think about is this child is going to need to be attached to this parent. I cannot and 
really I encourage try not to right insult or bash I know it's so hard because you see the truth of that person but that doesn't mean your five-year-old child needs to right and I think a good question to ask yourself that I've heard before is is it kind is it necessary is it true right kind of like your go-to question if I'm going to say something about mom am I going to say something about dad is it kind is it necessary is it true what will my child benefit from this is there a benefit for me sharing that he didn't pay college tuition right is is there really a point to saying that he's addicted right like how it depends also in the, the developmental stage right but I think being honest and saying hey this is hard dad mom is gone but also adding that security right but they love you they love being your dad they love being your mom that's the best way to be again we go back to are you going to be perfect about this no right you're dealing with chances are if you're in this situation you're dealing with a really complicated person so it is going to be hard right but again we're thinking in this case how do I shield my child how do I add more layers of bubble and I think that's the best way to to do it and at the end if we do if we alienate our children from their other parent it's really really harmful and in some places it might even be considered abuse right because we're neglecting a part of that child so is it hard yes right and I always am honest with with parents with even the the kids does this suck yes is it going to be complicated absolutely are you going to be perfect no but I think it's worth a try that makes a lot of sense I mean it seems like what might be a lot of people's you know reaction when their their other co-parent is just not not in alignment um you know the to maybe speak out against them with with the child that would kind of undercut a lot of this attachment um, type stuff that we're talking about that the the children can can benefit from um, as they're going going through this stuff. So it, it just um, I don't think it in any it, maybe with regards to what you were saying um, is it necessary? It's probably probably never um, going to actually help anything. So why say it? I guess. Yeah, I think that's like a good rule of thumb, right? And I like how you turn, like you thought about necessary because if you ask yourself those three questions, most of the time the answer is no, right? And that's not to say that you can totally bash your ex with your friends, right? Or whoever (laughs) is a trusted person. Absolutely, right? Let that out. And that's what we were saying. It's okay to feel this frustration and this anger, right? But just not with your seven-year-old right? Not, not even with your 15 year old. This is, that's not okay to do, right? We want to protect them and shield them from that with that emphasis of how do I securely provide the support for my child? So for the, a lot, a lot of the people that um, I, I meet that are thinking about going through divorce and they, they have kids or people sometimes that know other people that are going to be doing the same thing. Um, they, they often wonder in the beginning, how do, how do I or, or how do they with their partner tell the children? And I thought you'd be a perfect person to ask um, that question to just based on how you help um, a pretty wide range of, of kids navigate life changes. So, I mean, just from your perspective, any, any advice you can share on um, how 
ideally to tell children about um, divorce would just be amazing, I think, for um, our audience here. Sure. Um, so maybe I could answer that as like the do's and don'ts. <laughs> so that would probably be good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think the first thing to do is just be simple about it. And I think honest, right? So what does that mean, right? Simple means I'm not going to give you this really long explanation and tell you, you know, I've just been really sad. And it was, you know, he did it with the secretary. And because of that, it, we're not going into these long explanations, but we're also being honest. So what does that look like? Right. Because I get sometimes people are like, but you're telling me to be honest, but like not to disclose. I'm confused. Where's the line? Right. So I think honest is mom and dad think it's better to go our separate ways. That's honest, right? And it's simple. I'm not telling you all these explanations. I'm not saying mom did this, dad did this, right? So I think simple and honest is the best key, right? Also, children don't really need this whole explanation as to why, right? I think the second do, I guess, is kind of provide that space because I feel some children have anger right right away they want to place blame they want to throw things that that happened to one of my clients right they went into this kind of like rage state that's okay right so just providing that space to listen I think like we were saying providing that and, and allowing them right they get to fall apart about this they get to be upset that their family is not no longer going to look that way so I think allowing that, right? Again, what we were saying about children thinking it's all about them, right? So reassuring them, this is not your fault. There's nothing you could have done. Mom and dad love you the same, right? We think you're amazing. You are wonderful. You and your sister, you and your brother are great, right? And this has nothing, absolutely nothing to do with you. I think that is really, really important. There's a book it's actually a workbook um, that is called, let me see if I can remember, because it gives you specific, it's called the Co-Parenting Handbook um, oh. by Karen Bonell. And she gives you specific ways to answer difficult questions. So for example, why can't you guys get back together? Or will, do you still love mom? Or do you still love dad? <clears throat> or what was the real reason? Or did, did somebody have an affair, right? So children get curious, right? So I think the do's is definitely, you know, try to be honest and simple with those answers and then just be there for them and allow them. And instead of answering the questions, be like, hey, I'm noticing you're curious about this. Is there something I can do to, to address that? Um, I think that's kind of like the do's. Um, and then the don'ts is kind of what we were saying, right? Poison that other parent, blame this person, be overly disclosing of what you are going through. Um, you don't need to, you know, try to fix everything and let me do this and, and let you do that. You know, it's just, it's a hard situation for everybody, right? But how do we kind of navigate that together? So simply put, if you're going to have that conversation, be honest about it, be simple and be there, right? The simple do not is do not talk badly about that other parent, right? 
Do not argue and debate in front of that child as to what we're doing. And if you have to have this conversation solo, then have the conversation solo and allow for any questions that come up. I think that's all um, amazing advice. And I really, I, I just hope a lot of people um, take to heart what you're saying here. And I mean, look, the the divorce process, there's probably easier things to, to go through in life, but there are things you can do to limit the impact um, that it does have on, on your children. And this stuff, um, when done um, right, um, it, it can work and make it something that I believe um, families can recover uh, from. Um, so thank you for sharing all of this with us. And um, for people that are listening to this and um, resonating with what you're saying, if maybe you could just talk um, for a little bit again on um, your private practice, how do people find you so that if um, they're in the areas where you can um, be licensed to serve them, um, that they can um, reach out to you and um, have you help them or um, their children through this type of stuff? Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you again for just having me, giving me the space to talk about this. Like I said, I'm really passionate about it. And I think the more that we talk about it, we remove the shame of it and we give parents tools to give to their children, right? Um, so like I said, I'm part of a group practice. It's called Home for Balance Psychotherapy Group. So that's, we have our website, we have our Instagram. I have my own personal Instagram, which is called Rising Stronger Counseling. Um, people reach out to me there all the time. I can give you my phone number or my email, you know, address, or we can put it on the comments. It's up to you. Sure. Yeah, we'll get it up. But if you uh, have your main um, number offhand um, and the, the website you'd like, uh, that'll be helpful. And we'll, of course, display it um, at the beginning and end of this, too. Sure. So my the best number to reach me or text me is 954-850-6633. Um, and like I said, you can just text or call that number and the well, website for balance website. Well, that is perfect. And um, thank you so much for taking the, the time to uh, share um, all of this stuff. I, I truly feel that, um, you know, divorce can when um, when right have a positive impact on a family um, altogether and the stuff that you're talking about makes it um, a lot easier for the children to um, ultimately have um, a healthy place, um, albeit in two separate homes, um, to where they can grow up um, hopefully into um, wonderful adults uh, that have close relationships with both of their parents. And I I couldn't think of anything more important when it comes to um, this, this area of society and, and making it better for the future. So thank you for all of your tips and um, for taking the time to uh, share your advice here with everyone. Absolutely. Thank you.